This is it. This is the first. It's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello. Hi. Welcome to Open Books, the very first edition thereof, podcast about books and book selling, brought to you by booksellers at Mystery to Me in Madison, Wisconsin. Whoop. And let's do some intros, shall we? Sure. Great. Uh, my name is Tim, and I have been a bookseller for um, almost <laughs> 15 years at this point. I started out um, when I was in high school working at a children's bookstore in Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin. Shout out. Hello. <laughs> um, and then I was working in used books in New Orleans for the past 10 years, and now I work here. Yay. The lovely mystery to me. Amazing. What are you reading right now? Oh, God. What am I not reading right now? <laughs> Charlotte. Tim. Um, I'm kind of at a four-way intersection right now. Um, I'm still reading The Painted Bird by Jersey Kaczynski, which is is devastating. Oh, in a fun way or? No, no, no. In a completely essence draining kind of way. It's fabulous. What else am I reading? I am still reading The Witches Are Coming by Lindy West, which is wonderful. Everybody who has read her before needs to read this book immediately. I am listening to Whisper Man finally on <gasps> Libro FM. I'm jealous. That's so scary. So good. So scary. Do you listen to it at night? I don't. Oh, good idea. Because I can't <laughs> handle it. I am not emotionally <laughs> mature enough to handle that. Good, me neither. I am also listening, speaking of emotional maturity, I am also listening to on Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous on oh. Libro FM, which is uh, devastating. <laughs> In a fun way. In... No, he's saying no with his face. (laughs) Yeah, it just... (laughs) Okay, great. Yeah. Well, let us know which one you finish first if you recommend. Or if you ever finish one. We'll get to that in a minute. Yep. Okay, next we have Hannah. Hello, I'm Hannah. I have been a bookseller for a hot minute, like three months, four months. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm still the newbie. I was an English teacher last year and had zero book selling experience, but I've made coffee and coffee goes with books. So (laughs) those were my qualifications. I am currently reading The Keeper of the Lost Cities, which I absolutely love. It's a middle grade series that everybody should read. Wait, which one? There's like eight of them. I'm actually only on book one. (gasps) Don't let your children hear that. I know. Kids can't know. I've been recommending it without having read it. But now I read it, and I'm so happy that I've recommended it. It's not quite at Harry Potter yet for me, but it could get there. You're a Harry Potter fan. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm also listening to Nothing to See Here, because as a nanny, I like reading about a story where the kids burst into flames. Oh, yeah. Because my kids were never like that. I always had great kids. Hi, I'm Jane. I've been book since 1981. Um, AD or BC? Boom! Yeah, we need a ham horn on this. Had a four-year hiatus, and then I was hired to um, work at Mystery to Me four years ago. It's amazing, a hundred and seven-year-old building that creaks, and you can hang your wet mittens on the working radiators as they hiss. You, and by hiss, you mean haunt our bookstore. They sound like a ghost in pain. Well, yes, they do. <laughs> and what are you reading right now? So I've just started my sojourn into um, catching up with the Young Avengers graphic novel series. Ooh, what do you think? I love it. I'm Charlotte. I'm a disembodied voice that's been interviewing people informally here. I obviously also work at Mystery to Me. I've been here <clears throat> for twice as long of a hot second as Hannah. I've been here since... 
June. I'm the event manager here along with being a bookseller. Um, and now I'm our audio technician as well. <laughs> what am I reading right now? I'm reading, well, I run a, our bilingual book club here. So I'm reading La Casa de los Espíritus by Isabel Allende. It's slow going because I can't read very fast in Spanish. I was just listening to The Divers Game uh, on Libro FM, which is a sci-fi dystopian sort of worlds, but it's three distinct parts, three distinct stories, and they connect all together in subtle ways. It's really delightful. I super recommend. Okay, so that's that. those are all the voices on our podcast here. And the next thing I want to talk about, because this is a little bit about bookseller hot goss. Am I right or am I right? Something that I think would be cool for our audiences to know is about ARCs and why it's difficult for us to read both ARCs and current books and make recommendations as we go. So does anyone want to talk a little bit about that? So every week we get a bazillion ARCs. No, literally a bazillion ARCs. And what does ARC stand for? Advanced Reader Copy Uh or Galleys. Yes. And sometimes if it's really, really hot and the publishers really want us to review it quickly, Mm -hmm. it will not even be bound. It'll just be... Um, really? class, yeah, that's happened a couple times, and that's pretty exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so exciting! It's you did like a seal fin. I did because it's like pre-arc uh-huh. galley. Um, we read those, we review them. They all look fantastic. We all have a short time span to read them, and sometimes we can't read the stuff that we want to read because we're reading those books, and we're already starting to read things that are five months out. Totally, totally. Totally five months out. So sometimes it's hard for us to say, well, I'm reading this. Mm-hmm. A lot yeah. of them are amazing. Some are trash. Some are trash. That is true. I also appreciate how y'all uh, save the weirdest arcs for yes. me on purpose. <laughs> like, here's a book about Mormons in space, Tim. What do you think about that? Or Charles Manson, did he work for the CIA? We don't know. Does it matter? Did Probably he? not. But is our ta- is our, are our guts right about that usually? I mean, I, yes, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> I was spot on with the Mormons. 100%, 150%. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, I have a question. Since all of the like picture books that we get are not bound, does mm-hmm. that mean they're all amazing and should be reviewed quickly because kids' books are the best? Correct. I'm, I'm going with that. I'm Will going with that. Yes. Yeah. Sweet. I just wanted to check. Um, <laughs> so, like Jane said, we get a bunch of arcs, and we want to read them all, and I want to read them all, and I take them all home at first, and then I bring them back because I realize I can't read all of them. So what we do is the kids who come in will be looking for books, and every once in a while we'll be recommending books, and we'll realize that one of our arcs would match perfectly with the kid who is in front of us. Um, but they wouldn't see that because it's not on the shelf. So what we do is we go to our secret back room and we bring it out to our little customer and we ask, hey, would you want to read this book? And then tell us what you think about it. Yeah, and they feel a little bit of ownership over it too, which is oh, cool. Oh yeah, they, they think it's awesome. To read it. I, let me just say, as a young child, I would have done horrible things to be in our ARC program. Because, Absolutely. Oh, that would have been so exciting. But no. Anyway, so and every it's kid not that just reading; in. they write reviews, oh, yeah. and we post mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Yeah, Hannah, just to toot Hannah's horn for her, um, she's very humble and kind. Toot. Hannah has done a wonderful job of turning our 
uh, IM, which is bookseller talk for middle grade. So what is the age range for that, would you say? It can go anywhere from second, third grade, all the way up to seventh, eighth grade. Yeah, so right before, like right after you just started reading chapter books, but stopped calling them chapter books. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And right before you start reading young adults. Hannah has done an awesome job of getting all the kids in the neighborhood in here and reading all new kinds of books and in our ARC program. It's awesome to behold. Can I get an amen on that? Wow, reserving the amens for (laughs) Hannah. I'm not taking out that pregnant pause. Um, (laughs) Goodness. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about what kinds of books each one of us likes to read so that when people hear our podcast and come to the store, they know I want to read some weird sci-fi. I'm going to go talk to Charlotte or I want something about rich people on the Upper East Side. I'm also going to talk to Charlotte because uh, she likes both those things. I also love sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I, I love particularly feminist sci-fi. I've been trying to wade through that as much as I possibly can in the past couple of years. I read a lot of, I read a lot of nonfiction. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I like things that are dark, mm-hmm. um, nonfiction, fiction, um, sci-fi, anything that's going to make you feel a little bit weird, but also really good that you're you and not that person. Yeah. Yeah. You are. When someone comes in asking for nonfiction, I always ask you cause you always have a, a great recommendation. I love it. What can I say? You, you've said it. You yeah, said what you can say. I did. I love, well, based on what we just talked about, I love all the kids' books. Mm -hmm. The middle grade specifically, because there are so many really good middle grade books coming out that are meant to, like, teach kids really important life lessons, but through crazy, awesome stories. Um, So I specifically love things that incorporate magic, because a lot of times those stories, it's not just about the magic. It's about the responsibility that comes with it. It's about how you can help other people with it, um, things like that. So I love anything magical. Um, I also love cheesy YA rom-com books, um, and everyone knows that I love The Grace Year, so I really love, (laughs) I just love The Grace Year. You better believe. Do you wake up saying The Grace Year? (laughs) Kim Legend, if you're listening. Seriously, I'm going to tweet it or Instagram it right at her and be like, your biggest fan works in... I mean, are you even a fan of her? Just the book is like... I honestly, I read her series forever ago. She read, or she wrote... um, the Great and Terrible Beauty? If no, Libba Bray wrote that. What? Yeah. And I just saw it in an article that said it was Kim. Ooh. Uh-oh. I should double check that. I know Libba. She'll Ooh. be mad to find out. <laughs> They're actually we'll, we'll really check good that friends. And then edit it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a great book. Why don't we have that, Jane? I why it's oh, only but back to now. Kim. I love the Grace here because... <laughs> Seamless segue. I read it, and then I read a bunch of interviews from her... Um, about why she wrote The Grace Year. And if you haven't heard of The Grace Year, it's about this universe where men are just super controlling of women and it's really scary and really dark, but also really good. But she wrote it because of an interaction she had in a train station, if I'm remembering right. It could have been a bus station. Um, But she saw this like 13, 14-year-old girl and this middle-aged guy was like sizing her up. And she just like saw that happen and the idea for The Grace Year came into her head. And after that, I was like, I need to tell everyone about this book. This is Ew, fantastic. I didn't know that. Well, Origin right. story. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, I read, speaking of arcs, I read the arc of the Grace Year in like July or something. Mm-hmm. It disturbed me greatly because she doesn't spare anything in that book. It's mm-hmm. not for, it's not like sugar-coated in any way. No. Ooh, it's good. Yeah. For fans of The Handmaid's Tale. I feel like it's a good 
comp, but I can't handle The Handmaid's Tale. It's yeah. too much for me. Yeah. Um, but I still love The Great <laughs> That's Seer. a Tim book right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Feminist <laughs> sci-fi that'll ruin you. Yeah, on Earth. Um, I can specialize in nonfiction history, mm-hmm. nature. Um, I can specialize in literary fiction. Mystery. Most Most of the mysteries. Um, I do tend to read a lot of that. I'm a big fan of um, narrative nonfiction. Narrative nonfiction. Such as the new book that's coming out, I believe, in March, which is all about crossword puzzles. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's right. You got an arc of that. You had to, like, hide it from yourself because you were reading it too fast. (laughs) Exactly. So it's down on the stack, so I'm waiting. Oh, yeah. Yesterday you tried to explain to me and Tim where in your house that book was until Tim... Thank God was like Jane. We've never been to your house. This isn't useful information. <laughs> Wait. You're gonna do it again. I can. T- I can do tell it. by your face. Okay, so the biography of James Triptree is on the case number one, two, three, third shelf down on the downstairs ten cases. This is now going public, and if anybody wants that book, all they have, they have a treasure map right to that book. Yeah. They would have to get past the dogs. <laughs> it's not a chihuahua pomerine. It's a chihuahua <laughs> My grandma had a chihuahua. <laughs> we forced Jane to take a mandatory vacation a couple weeks ago, and while she was gone, she took it upon herself to adopt a dog. To add more responsibility <laughs> to her life. In the form of a chihuahua. Well, actually, I'm glad we're talking about James Tiptree because that is fascinating me right now. And Tim, can you tell us a little bit about who that is? Yes, I can. <laughs> James Tiptree was born Alice B. Sheldon in, was it Chicago? Is she from Chicago area, I believe? That's what it says on your staff page. Yep, we're going to have to uh, background check that a little bit. So she grew up in an aristocratic family that traveled a lot. I can't remember what her parents did. They spent a decent amount of time traveling, went to school, got got married, got divorced, went back to school for experimental psychology. Oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. During the war, during the Second World War, she was an expert at reading topographical maps. What? And was therefore part of a division um, of, what am I trying to say? Intelligence. She was a a part of an intelligence division in the army during the war. And then after that, after the war, she went to get her doctorate in experimental psychology and started, quote, dashing off little stories to exp- to expend nervous energy while she was getting her a doctorate. And the stories that she wrote have become hallmarks of feminist sci-fi. She wrote The Screwfly Solution, which is an incredible story about a global plague of femicide and one woman realizing her connection to it through her husband's work as a geneticist, altering the sexual mating habits of uh, parasitic flies in Central America. Yeah, she's just incredible. So she started publishing these stories, but quickly realized um, that a lot of the sci-fi mags are not going to publish her under her name. So she assumed the pen name James Tiptree um, and started getting a lot of recognition for her work um, and kept going with it until um, she started... I'm trying to remember the quote. Somebody compared her to Heinlein and to um, Ray Bradbury and some, I can't remember which author, you might know actually, Jane, um, said something like, 
after the controversy of, of her, she was unmasked in the 70s as a woman. Yeah, it literally, it was, it was a latex <laughs> mask. Um, yeah, it was, it was very public. A famous author refused to believe that she wrote the stories because women don't write like that, which, I mean, we've all heard that one before. It remains true to this day. But bef- <laughs> before she was outed, she was also a queer person. Um, before she was outed, um, she had maintained a correspondence with Ursula Le Guin for a fair amount of time, several years, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it bordered on the flirtatious many a time. I don't know. I'm just obsessed with this Me person. Too. Yeah, she is a paramount of, of queer feminist sci-fi. Didn't you tell writing. me she had more than one pen name? She did. Um, one of her pen names was Raccoona, <laughs> um, which... That sounds like a character in The Lion King. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> It's so great to learn about like origin stories, like the Gracier and then James Tiptree. All of these people are so creative and up against such adversity in their lives, whether it's today or 200 years ago or 50 years ago. And that's something I love about being a bookseller is that we get the chance to sell books and the stories behind all of those books, which... Look, you're not going to get that from an algorithm, so come on in. <laughs> so I have a question for you. Me? Yes. Let's hear it. All right. So you're reading um, Isabel Allende's book in Spanish. Are you going to yes. go back to read it in English? I might only do that because I don't know if I'll finish it in time for book club. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you ask? Last year we had um, a bookseller, um, Isolda, um, and she is from the Netherlands and is a translator, and we also know quite a few translators here in Madison. And it's always such a delicate balance, translator to author, author to translator, and do they do it at a just job, Mm -hmm. or is the meaning lost? And so I find that very fascinating, and that's why I like to try to bring in a lot of translated works Mm -hmm. and books about um, translation. Totally, yeah. That you are good at that. You always know what the original language is and then what a good translated version of it is. I think translation is its own art form. You know it I mean? is. Where there's the source material and then, like even in college, if you read the Odyssey or whatever, all of those translations are so wildly different from each other. The central story is the same, but it isn't just about the story. It's also about language. And it's 100% political, too. Mm -hmm. I think that different translators and their backgrounds and their education absolutely change the content of what they're working on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A little bit of a map for the future of this podcast. We have lots of segment name ideas, but we don't exactly know what to fill them in with. So some of our favorites right now are Kids Books Are People Too is pretty straightforward, and I just love that title. Better Off Read, which is going to be a segment about books we highly recommend you actually read before you go to the party or Thanksgiving with your family or whatever so that you don't look like a fool. One of those, I think, would be The Overstory. Who here has read The Overstory? Me! All right. I haven't read it either, Hannah. Cool. (laughs) Do you recommend? Yes. 100%. Okay. Definitely. Oh, my God. I cried so many times. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. In a fun way? (laughs) Why do you keep saying that? Not everything is fun, Charlotte. Well, I know in a cathartic way. Oh, 100%. A cleansing way. Okay, good. Not like you feel worse afterward. Oh, no. I'm going to say A and B there, yeah. Oh, wow. A little... mm. Yeah, because we're still killing the trees, you guys. They're still dying. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) All right, but (laughs) do read it. Do read it. Yeah. I got one. You do it. Do it. The Institute by Stephen King. I'm not huh. even a Stephen King fan. I love on writing, his nonfiction, 
memoir slash tutorial book. Um, I could never get into his fiction, but I, I had a copy of The Institute, his newest, and it's really quite good. I do recommend it. Um, I think his writing is really tight in that. Yes, it's yeah. very different. Mm -hmm. And from what I've read so far, it's really good. It's really good. The world building is, is great. It's a little eerie. And it's that classic Stephen King thing of a bunch of kids figuring out a sinister <laughs> mystery. It's like ripe for a Steven Spielberg adaptation. And that's one you definitely should read and gift to people because I think it will have a wide appeal. Also gift the Grace here, right, Hannah? Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> There's so many good things in that book. <laughs> so actually. We're not done. Yeah. We're no. not done. It's never going to be done. We're not even close. I think parents, or it doesn't have to just be moms. Dads could read it too. But I think it would be a super cool book to read like a mom and a daughter at the same time because there's so many things you can talk about. So that true. would be really, really hard to talk about maybe without a conversation starter and the book serves as that conversation starter. One hundred percent. I think it's a great book for boys too, because the boys mm. are not secondary characters in that I book. I almost got a boy to buy it yesterday. If it weren't so pink, that's the thing. He didn't mind the pink actually. Oh, wow. He okay. was a little scared when I told him about the poachers. What? In the book. I want to meet this boy. He sounds great. Because <laughs> the poachers are scary. They are scary, but it's still good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Midwest Gothic that I have to do a bunch of research about. Um, what do you foresee for Midwest Gothic? That is a great question, Charlotte. I don't know either. It's okay to say you don't know. It's just I, such a good title. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about this for a long time. Um, someone, when I, when I was in college, um, someone described Willa Cather to me as a Midwest Gothic writer. Okay. And that has been in my head ever since. So I want to find specifically Wisconsin. Wisconsin authors, but Greater Midwest is, I guess, acceptable. Um, I wanna, I wanna like flesh out as a genre, uh, as a genre, because we all love Southern Gothic, and um, it's time for us to kind of make our own. Yeah, there is a publication called Midwest Gothic uh, TM, um, and maybe I'll start reading it someday. Amazing. And maybe they've done all this work already. For us. <laughs> so I feel like Joanne will have a lot to say about Midwest Gothic. I agree. The the contemporary one that I've been thinking about is Bad X County. Yeah, oh, I was just gonna say. Yes, you love yes. that book. I did yeah, love that definitely. book. Definitely, and I feel like it falls. It's also like I'm glad you we... brought that up because I wanted to bring that one up. Oh, thank you. Um, how do we define the Gothic? How do we define the Midwest? Hey, people, we're not a flyover state. Yeah, it's true. Oh it's God. true. There's a rich cultural history that we're just not Wait, talking about. Wait, and speaking about. of Madison, ears open, eyes peeled, everybody, for My Dark Vanessa. Yes! Hitting shelves in January? Yeah. Kate Elizabeth Russell. Yep, I'm getting a, getting a yes from our producer, James. <laughs> yes, it is. And right now, Joanne Berg is at home reading it. Reading it. <laughs> to close, in every single episode, we're going to have our favorite segment, You Have 90 Seconds, Jane. Which, does anyone have a phone? Uh, yes. Can you put a 90-second timer on there? Turn that volume up real loud, because okay. we're going to cut her off. Okay. Um, okay. Um, are we ready? Today, yeah. I'll give you a primer so you don't have to waste all your 90 yeah. seconds. Today on You Have 90 Seconds, Jane, Jane is going to discuss the, what is it, Booker, Man Booker Prize winner. No, it was not the prize winner. It was nominated. Oh, sorry. Of 2019, Duck's Newburyport. That's all I'll say. And when we have the timer ready. Uh, <laughs> uh I don't well, know. Well, let's just go. Yeah, okay. And then just, just cut me off, Ben. Just yeah, cut me off. I'll just. Okay, so oh, I'm just going to talk quickly. All right, ready? Go. All right. 993 pages. Doesn't include um, 
the best thing ever in the back glossary, a roundup of abbreviations, sanitized for your comfort. Some people have said it's all one sentence. It is not. It's stream of consciousness. It's Ohio. It's a housewife. Why do people write big books? Why do people read them? It's a joy. I have no idea. But when I see a book that's this well produced, beautiful cover, great font, perfect paper, I want it. I'm reading it. It's grand. Done. 36 seconds. seconds. Jane, I'm proud of you. You took a 900 page book and turned it into 36 seconds. That's, yeah, that's beautiful. That's book selling. Yeah. Oh, and a big, big shout okay, 37. out. 37. 38. <laughs> the author. Done. All right. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on Open Books. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Open Books is recorded live on site at Mystery to Me in Madison, Wisconsin. If you can't visit us in the real world, feel free to find us online at mysterytomebooks.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find all of today's episode's recommended books in the show notes. And if you like what you heard or you like what you're reading, drop us a line on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast, and we'll see you next time. I just wanted to include a quote from On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous um, that when I heard it was kind of like being hit in the face with a stop sign. Um, in a fun way. In a, oh my God. <laughs> I'm about to. Okay. 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 Jim's going to hit me in the face with a stop sign. Yes. Every grain of rice that you leave in your bowl is a maggot that you have to eat in hell. Ew. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I'm making rice tonight. Yeah.